Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Things Your Asian Mom Never Told You. I'm your host, Ivorine, and we have Tim, another one of my friends from college, with us today. Tim grew up in Australia, but came over to the States for college, and today we're just going to be talking about his experiences in both countries. Hey Tim, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's, Ivo. How's it going? It's going well. Just spending some time with like my boyfriend and his family. How about you? That's good. I'm currently quarantining in a hotel and I get out tomorrow morning, so that should be fun. Oh, so you're back home in Australia right now? Yeah. Um, it's basically like a compulsory quarantine, two-week quarantine. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm back home and excited to be back with family. Nice. So I just wanted to talk to you today about your experience of quote-unquote studying abroad. Basically, you grew up uh, in Australia and now you go to college in the U.S. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to start off with like a little bit about your background and what it was like growing up Asian in Australia. So, I mean, my experience in Australia, I guess I was really surrounded by a lot of the white population. So, if mm-hmm. I was going to talk about my high school experience, which is probably where a lot more of the interesting stuff happened, mm-hmm. um, to give you a general sense of what it really looked like, it was probably around 70% white people and 30% you know, made up of Indians, Asian, and everyone else. And so the nature of studying in Australia or in my specific school was that everything was centralized around like white culture. So I grew up, I think, pretty whitewashed in a sense that you know, I didn't really acknowledge my Asian side of things. Mm-hmm. But I would say that that definitely changed towards um, the end of high school when I started realizing, oh, you know what? Like, I think the Asian quote unquote lifestyle, like culture, suited me more. I think when I came to America, I sort of got in touch with that a little bit more uh, when I was studying abroad. Oh, that's really interesting, actually. Just uh, in context, I grew up in America and my high school was majority Asian, basically. So I didn't really have a stereotypical American high school experience. And when I watch American movies um, about life in high school, I can't really relate. Is that the same for you? My, my idea of what American high school looks like, and to be honest, the only portrayal I have is from like the movies, right? And yeah, yeah. It, seems, it seems very overdramatic, and I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. the case in, in reality. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, from what I hear, there's a lot of like separations into groups, like, you know, the jocks, the nerds, the goths, Mm -hmm. the emo kids and whatever, and people hang out within those groups. And I would say like, it's quite different in Australia where, you know, you can be a nerd and a jock at the same time. Like you can be smart and good at sports. And I think like, I guess there's sort of less categorization back in Australian schools, I think in my personal Mm -hmm. experience, but that's just the way I see it. I'm not sure. Like, do you think you... You could tell if there's, do you think there is any sort of that categorization in American high schools? I feel like I'm also not the one to answer this question because, like I said before, my high school wasn't a stereotypical American high school. So the people who were like the popular kids um, who won like prom queen and prom king and were part of like student body 
association. Uh, they were actually the nerds, like the ones who were good in academics and also like friendly with teachers and stuff. Yeah, I um I would say like the people who are you know student body president and in those leadership positions, mm-hmm. they're they're pretty much good at everything. Uh, back in exactly. my so they're yeah. good at sports, they're good at socializing, they're good at mm-hmm. academics. They're just like amazing people. So yeah, like you find that the, yeah, there's not really anyone that you'd categorize. I mean, there are jocks in my school, and there mm-hmm. are nerds, but. You know, neither of them, neither of them would be in like leadership positions, or you know, um, I mean, some of them were, but the majority are people who are good at everything. Which is, I don't know, it's kind of scary how good these people are, honestly. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally get that. I think actually, from in my school, it's funny because we didn't really have jocks. Like our sports team wasn't that good, so like. Uh. <laughs> Like, we had a football team, but it wasn't something that, like, people actually paid attention to, um, mm. except for, like, one, when we played our rival school. Like, that was the only time people cared. Um, yeah, but, like, in high school, I didn't know any of, like, any football players' names. Like, I didn't know anything, anyone. <laughs> Maybe I was just, like, super yeah. outside of the loop. Um, but they were just, like, just people. And the people in leadership positions, they were just nerds. Like, they weren't as well-rounded as your school, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they were also, like, just smart and social. I feel like those were the main two categories they had to be in. Yeah, I think, like, the social thing is pretty important. Like, you know how to talk to people and Mm -hmm. be a good person, be a good bloke, then you get far. What made you interested in moving towards your Asian culture? Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, getting outside of the bubble. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was in a boarding school and I would only go back home on weekends and, and if that, you know, every second weekend. So, and being in this environment where you're surrounded by, you know, the majority of white people and you're not really in touch with other people who are Asian or even like, you know, Australian Australian Asian I mean we were but at the same time you know Mm -hmm. we're all trying to conform to essentially what the majority of the school was which was I guess fine at the time because if you were sort of weird or not conforming then I mean you weren't going to get bullied but you'd sort of feel like that you weren't accepted if that makes any sense yeah so once getting out of that and sort of graduating and then having that free time in between college and high school that was a time when I was like, okay, well, you know, the friends I actually stuck with me and who I relate to the most are the Australian Asians, right? Mm-hmm. And so I you know, had a group of small friends who, who were Australian Asians and we started to, you know, go clubbing and go partying and go to house parties and whatnot because, you know, back in Australia, legal age is 18. So you could go to a club straight out of high school. And it was then I realized, oh, you know what? I prefer to go to Asian clubs over just the regular clubs you know I feel like not more safe but I feel more I can, like that I can enjoy myself a bit more and do things more freely I don't know it's not like they're saying oh you shouldn't do these things but it's like okay I'm in an environment where I'm surrounded by these people who I guess have similar values and are like I don't know similar to me and I can open up and that's sort of what happened mm-hmm. I see that's really interesting actually I've yeah. never thought of it that way because i know like when we go out with our like mutual friends 
like they also prefer going to Asian clubs, but I never understood why. I think it's just like I mean, you feel more comfortable. I mean, like you're not interacting with any strangers unless you are. Yeah. Are are you? <laughs> at clubs I mean, yeah. Stuff? Some I mean, of clubs sometimes you know you obviously okay. I see. Um, mm-hmm. socialize, meet new people, but um, I think you know there's nothing wrong against going to a club and listening to Mr. Brightside and you know all those throwbacks and all that. Yeah. But sometimes you know you just want to listen to the type of music that sort of I don't know. It's kind of weird, like. In Australia, it's like all the Australian Asians listen to R&B and EDM. Mm -hmm. And then, but, you know, if you go to a regular club, yeah, sure, they'll play some, like, dance music, but it's not, it's just not the same. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's, like, the type of music in the club and, like, the vibes that you get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, like, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, like, I kind of see it. A lot of white clubs, they would play, like, country or... Um, just like throwback songs yeah and, exactly which is fine yeah, like i, I enjoy mm-hmm. that but when you want to dance it's like idiom <laughs> exactly going off of that how is your party life in australia like obviously now we can't do that in the in the u.s but uh back when partying was available in the united states how would you compare that um with club life or nightlife in australia yeah, I would say um, maybe it's just the area of school that I'm in for college. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think most friends can agree with that. But back in Australia, I felt like there was, it was wild times. It was wild times back there, <laughs> back in my home country. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's the fact that, you know, I, I exhausted all, all that partying and all that stuff, like that six month break between college and high school. And then I sort of oh, knew coming to the States, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to party as hard and really focus on academics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say that things are a bit more hand back in Australia compared to the US. And I think that's a lot to do with like the location I'm at, you know, like if I was, if I was at, let's say, I don't know, University of Alabama or something, maybe things would be different. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, as it stands, it's uh, mm-hmm. less wild, still enjoyable. I still love it, mm-hmm. but like wilder, less wilder compared to the Australian scene. So I also wanted to talk to you about making friends in the United States. Do you think that it was hard for you because you came from a different country or did you feel like you could easily bond with people here? So the the first thing I want to say is, you know, coming to America, it's like mm-hmm. people fetishize the accent. So Oh, the Australian <laughs> accent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So in in that way, like making friends... Like, it wasn't too hard, right? It was like, you know, mm-hmm. you'd go up and the first thing they'd say, oh, are you from Australia? And then the the ball would just go rolling from there. And people mm-hmm. would just be, like, intrigued off the bat. It kind of makes me feel bad because it's like, you know, is someone friends with me cause, just because I'm Australian? Or is it because, you know, the person <laughs> that I am? But in terms of making friends and making close bonds, that 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 wasn't too too hard, I guess. Like, it was, um, I felt like the community that I joined early on was really accepting and I was able to make some really good close friends, you know, that I'll probably have for the rest of my life. But I wouldn't say it's any harder than um, how it was back in Australia. I'll, I'll in fact, mm-hmm. say that it was easier to some, oh, really? some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's because like, I think going back to the high school experience and like, yeah, sure, the majority of population was white and I was, and I was whitewashed to a certain extent. But I think because naturally I gravitated gravitated towards like my sort of Asian background and coming to 
you know, the US and the, especially the area I'm in mean, where there's a lot of Asians, it was a lot easier to make a bunch more friends. So do you think you made any like transitions or self-improvement uh, from like your high school career to your college career? Yeah, I think um, really the biggest thing for me in terms of self-improvement was sort of like my my fitness and my, my, my own body. So if you want to hear the long story, do you want to hear the long story? Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you the long story. Um, so essentially, um, you know, back in high school, I was a very, very chubby kid. And this is a combination of me being lazy, but also being on, on the rugby team. And the only way that I could make it into the, the varsity team was if I, if I bulked up. I was too shit to play in any of the other roles. So essentially, I had to become what my co- coach called me, uh, what my coach called a donkey. And a donkey was essentially someone who was just really massive, a lot of fat and who could take hits. And so that's who I had to be if I wanted to play on the varsity team. And so you know, over, um, yeah, I know, exactly. So like, I wasn't very skilled with coordination, like I'm pretty uncoordinated. So the only thing I could really do for the team was to actually, you know, take the ball and take the hits for the team. Mm-hmm. So that the other players could actually not get injured. So that was my role. And in order to play that role, I had to gain like 40 pounds over like six months. And so over that time, it was like a very, very, it was a very dark time because you, know, you had to force feed yourself and I was eating someone like something like 4,000 calories a day and to get that intake I would take shots of olive oil with each meal so like breakfast lunch and dinner I'll take like one shot of olive oil just to get those calories in. what yeah so that's um, insane yeah it was pretty insane and so like so I, I got on the team and that was all good but then like you know after the rugby season I was like I was just so fucking fat I was like 200 pounds and you know I didn't really need all that weight and I was kind of getting bullied for it too, low key, um, mm. but, but that was okay. It wasn't, wasn't too bad. Um, but I knew that, you know, going to college that I'd probably need to lose this weight if I wanted to make any friends. So um, mm. that's what I did. So over the, over my senior year in, or like in between my senior year, um, like senior year ending and going into college, there was like a six month break. And during that time, like I lost a lot of weight and I did this thing called the keto diet. And if you know what the keto diet is, it's essentially like no carbs and just protein and fats. And so that helped me lose those 40 pounds that I gained, um, you know, over the past six months. Um, mm-hmm. But by then, like, I I didn't go really, I didn't really go to the gym. Or I didn't really treat it seriously. So all that weight I lost was like a combination of like muscle and fat. So I got really skinny. Mm. And going to college, you know, I saw people going to the gym and the friends around me that were going to the gym as well. And so that's when I started to take things seriously. And during my freshman year, you know, I started going to the gym really seriously. Mm-hmm. started, like, playing my meals and playing my workouts and whatnot. And that's that's how I made the biggest change, honestly. And you know, since my freshman year, I've been keeping up with that. And, yeah, it's been, it's been a not an easy transition, but I think it's been one that's worthwhile. Why do you feel like you had to lose weight in order to make friends in college? Well, I guess it wasn't, I guess that's kind of a joke, kind of not. Um, but, you know, I felt really self-conscious. Was it more like you just wanted to, like, have a fresh start and leave who you were in high school behind? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think especially because I was leaving the country, like, and you're know, going to a new 
basically a new country knowing no one i wanted to make sure that i made like the best first impression and you know was um decently looking <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's like for me i didn't leave the country but i just moved across the country so it was kind of the same for me where i didn't know anyone before coming to boston but i don't think i actually changed like physically or even personal like i didn't really alter my personality in any way it was like during college where my personality shifted. Yeah, well, Ivor, man, you, you're the, you're perfect. <laughs> no, you need to change from high school. <laughs> that's, that's the reason No, why. you didn't, you didn't know me in high school. Like, oh, okay. if you knew me in high school and you know me now, you'd be like, who is this person? Like... What's the difference between high school Ivor? What's the difference between high school Ivor and the now Ivor? Well, first of all, I think I was much more of a square in high school. Like... Sure, I had my spurts of rebelliousness, like, against my parents and stuff, but I think overall I was, like, just trying to be, like, a good girl and someone who fit in. Um, And, like, my social group in high school was, uh, like, they're all very sweet and nice um, people, uh, but they were, like, super studious and uh, we didn't really do much or go out or like do anything wild in high school unlike you (laughs) um yeah so I think I would just I was just like another average high school girl basically um not someone who was like looking for like any leadership um experiences uh like maybe I was but just for college application purposes not because I actually wanted to do it um yeah and I also feel like another thing is I wasn't really confident enough to speak my mind whereas I feel like now um, I'm a lot more comfortable with like being blunt and just like saying whatever I think uh and I feel like that's okay now I was pretty awkward I would say like I'm, I still feel like I'm awkward to be honest. Um, oh, yeah. Well, now, well, that that definitely wasn't the first impression when I met you ever. <laughs> I feel like I I've <laughs> learned how to hide it well, or at least uh, a lot better. Yeah. So like, you, you, so you still feel it, but when you're sort of presenting on the outside, it's like no one can tell. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. I still feel like. My insides are, I don't even, like, it's like the feeling when you uh, go on a roller coaster for me. It's like your adrenaline just, like, pumps. You feel your blood rising inside. Like, every time I give, like, a presentation or interview or something like that, it still happens, like, to this day. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, like, you can can hide it pretty well, so that's a a pretty cool (laughs) skill. It's a good skill to have, actually. Thank you. I wish I was, like, after, I would say, after a few minutes of talking or, like, being in the environment, then I, like, settle down. Yeah, I think I I feel the same, too. Like, when I'm giving a presentation, there's that initial nervousness and that, Mm -hmm. you know, the butterflies and whatever. 
And then once he gets into the groove, you sort of like in flow, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I can do this. I know what I'm talking about, kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not too bad, kind of. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's let's go back to you. So did you have to go through any like personality tweaks or changes while being in the States? Like I know uh, with like our mutual friends, at least, like some of them thought that you were a little bit arrogant or just like too blunt at times. <laughs> I So yeah, I would say that, no, I agree with you. It, it's like, I think coming from Australia, like you're very... Mm-hmm. Like most Australians, uh, I, I could I can't speak on behalf of the whole country, but I would say for the most part, right, we will say stuff that might be offensive, but we understand that it's just a joke in Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that, you know, it, we're not we're not that politically correct as a as a as a group of people. Mm-hmm. And I know that might offend some people, um, you know, in places like the U.S. So yeah, actually, to speak on that, I think maybe my harshness or like saying stuff that just comes off the top of my mic may seem like I'm arrogant or whatnot. And I see, I see how that is. And I have adjusted to that. So I have like sort of learned to tone it down. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like, you know, I have a close group of friends, right. Who can, who not don't tolerate, but they actually like the way that, that I am. But obviously mm-hmm. there's the majority of the population that don't like the way that I act. And obviously now learning that and learning that over the past couple of years, I've adapted and, mm-hmm. You know, tone myself down, which is for the better, I think, because yeah, you know, I've learned that it's important to be considerate of people's feelings and understand that maybe what I say might not make people comfortable. Like mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, make sure maybe it's a joke, but at the same time, like to be just wary of how other people feel, and that's that's what I've learned, I think. When you're making friends here, I know you're really close to a group of other men who also are like studying abroad here in the states. Do you feel like you guys connected mm. on like coming from different countries and like that is why you guys are all super tight or uh, do you think it's more to do with like, I know you guys also like value like family a lot. Can you just speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I think definitely you, you've hit the nail on the head, Ivo, with the, with the values and the family. And I think we, you know, the, the friendship group that we're talking about, we're all very close and, I think it really comes down to that. It comes down to the values. It comes down, not necessarily our international background, although that helps, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's definitely the values and how we, yeah, how we treat each other and how we act. Like, I think we're all quite similar and I'm just glad that, you know, we found them, especially my, uh, my, my, my big, he, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know, for some reason, although we come from completely different countries and we like the similar things, I guess, but, you know, in some regards we're different. It's it's amazing mm-hmm. how I can find a connection with the, like this group of boys, and especially my big that, you know, it's gonna last forever. Yeah, we talked about this before, but you're planning on going back to Australia at some point in your life, right? You're not gonna stay in the U.S. forever. Yeah. So, are you asking me like in terms of what, like dating life or just general life? Just in terms of like friendships. Yeah, I mean, like the sad truth is that I think ultimately I will have to go back but mm-hmm. look it it's tough to admit but the friendships won't be as close as you know if I was to stay in the US permanently but mm-hmm. that's just the facts of life right and just gotta learn to deal with it and make sure that I can 
you know, do things like this podcast with you and just keep in touch with people. But there's no, I don't think there's a way around it and in saying like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, sure, we're going to be still really close and talk to each other every day and FaceTime and whatnot. Because honestly, that's probably not going to happen, but yeah. it, it is what it is. And you just got to move forward and do the best you can. Yeah, like you'll catch up when you can and you'll try to visit each other. But like, we all know the truth, <laughs> like, or exactly. like basically I, the facts of life. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't like, I don't like to sugarcoat things. So like, it is what it mm -hmm. is and you just got to deal with it. Yeah. Well, since you brought it up, how is your dating life going? Oh, mate, it's in shambles. Um, it's in shambles. <laughs> yeah. What happened? No, it's, it's not in shambles, but um, mm -hmm. just nothing, nothing's going on. And I think, okay. you know, it's hard for me because um, I would definitely say like since, since high school to where I'm now, my mm -hmm. values in terms of like dating and all that other stuff have changed. How so? Okay, sure. So I think beforehand, you know, I, I didn't really care. Like hookups, cool. Yeah, good stuff. Like I enjoyed that type of stuff back then. Mm -hmm. But then, I don't know, I feel like we got to a certain point where it just wasn't right for me. And especially now, like, I, I'm i looking for something that's it's that's going to last, right? And especially, like, you know, the problem that you brought up earlier, me going back to Australia, yeah. I had to really think, you know, am I going to find someone in the US and bring them back to Australia? Or am I going to find someone in Australia? Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, like, I think the the way that it's going to go is that I'm going to be finding someone in Australia like I, I don't okay. want to be the person to like you know put the burden on someone to say hey you know it's either you choose your home country or you come back to Australia with me like I mean that yeah. might happen like I'm not going to mm -hmm. say say um never say never right mm -hmm. but I think that's the realistic thing that's going to happen and so I think I might just lay cool for a while but you never know see what happens yeah I don't like to plan too far in advance you think that if you were dating casually you would either catch feelings or like you just don't want that type of relationship yeah my like i've um you know things like friends with benefits and just like hookup culture although you know back then i enjoyed it and i you know participated to, to a certain extent um mm -hmm. right now or like as i sort of i don't know i don't like to say i'm true because i'm still i'm still a bloody kid you know Mm -hmm. um but i'm sort of like you know i've sort of realized that that's that's not my thing and that's not what i value mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. if i what i value is like you know finding i guess it's cheesy but you know finding one and saying hey like you know, <laughs> be be committed but yeah i, I, I like the fact is it, it's hard to do that when you, you know that eventually you're gonna be uprooted and go you know going back to your home country so it's mm -hmm. like what, what's the point and yeah as yeah. you said like i don't want to like catch feelings for someone and then or someone have catch feelings for me mm -hmm. and then at the end of the day not working out okay i see oh so tragic I dating know. in college it's very tragic yeah i know it's so hard dating outside of college like yeah, that's if what I, a lot of people tell me yeah. but i don't yeah. know how it is in australia maybe that's just the u.s i mean thing. yeah i think like i'm looking at my friends who are out of college right now back in australia Mm -hmm. um most of them have met you know their long-term partnerships in college mm -hmm. i know some of them who've met them outside you know you're just gonna take it as it goes and 
see what happens. I don't want to think too bad, think about it too much, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's okay. You got this. <laughs> yeah, got this. I've got this. <laughs> you got this. Are there any like differences from like U.S. to Australian girls that you didn't expect? Uh, I would say that American girls, like American Asian girls, are just a lot more basic. I'm sorry to offend like everyone, everyone in the population. It it just it, it is what it is, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, I feel like that's just the case. You know, there's this mm-hmm. there's this culture where it's like every bloody girl is like, yeah, I like raves and boba and anime. Yeah. Like yeah. In, in the US, right? Like every every mm-hmm. third girl you meet is like that, and it's mm-hmm. like okay, cool, and <laughs> I mean, which is fine everyone anyone can like what they want but like i feel yeah. like there's a lot less differentiation in in america than there is in um in australia i mean of course you're gonna still get in, get those basic girls everywhere mm-hmm. i feel like it's to a less lesser extent no no offense no offense no not taken um, i totally understand that yeah so i yeah. mean i i mean i can't say too much because honestly like i haven't had that much experience with um australian girls because Mm-hmm. like as as in you know like talking to them properly and whatnot but like this is what i can see from a from a high level and at least have mm-hmm. my few interactions that i've had that's interesting to me because i mm-hmm. would i don't know i also haven't really met any australian girls um especially australian like asian girls so <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean but, honestly yeah. like Look, there's they're, they're both they're both like a, like I mean they're both ABCs, right? Australian born mm-hmm. Chinese or American born Chinese. American born Chinese, yeah. Yeah, so they're gonna be some. Most of them are gonna be similar to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's more of a basic bitch culture here. <laughs> Sorry That's if true. I offended anyone. No, no. Yeah. Oh yeah, to my listeners. <laughs> yes, to in, listeners. In defense of. American born Chinese or just like Asian American girls in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of them are basic on the surface because mm-hmm. again with like the conforming um cuz like now like there's like a type for us which I feel like is new. You know, like being like yeah. an ABG or something didn't exist 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Or at least yeah. not to my knowledge. Um yeah. And so like at least they're there is a basic American Asian girl stereotype now. Yeah. So like no, on I, the surface, I, yeah. I feel like a lot of people or a lot of girls are going to present themselves as this because this is what like society feels is attractive to like men and especially like like western westernized men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I totally agree with you on that. Like it's not it's not anyone's fault. Mm-hmm. It's not like to say that they're bad people. Yeah. but it's just it is what it is um yeah and okay let me just say something about abgs um <laughs> okay so like back back when i was uh in high school or even younger mm-hmm. than that like my abgs were like girls who had boyfriends who were gangsters you know in like the asian market and shit mm-hmm. like had all these mm-hmm. tattoos and stuff but now like i don't know this is sort of like a tangent this is sort of like a little rant but like now abgs are just like you know, if you wear lashes and drink boba, you're an ABG. Like, no, nah, that's not the true definition, man. Like, if you go that's back true. Like, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, like, the true ABGs were the ones, like, you know, they were actually, like, they, they were tough. They were, yeah. I'm not saying that they're not tough now, but, like, they had like, gangster boyfriends and, like, yeah. they'll, like, rob people and shit. Like, yeah, that yeah. was, um, that was my perception back then. 
So if we don't call them ABGs, what should we call them? Well, I, you know, you just call them bags. Basic Asian girls. <laughs> Tim, your sister is also here studying mm -hmm. in the same university as you now. Can you yes. speak a little bit of what that's been like? Does it make you miss home more? Or does it like make you feel a little like more comforted? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, that's a good question. And like, there's, there's two sides of the coin there. You know, and one, on one side, there is sort of this comfort that's brought on by her being here. But at the same time, it's kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> just because. Because she's your sister. Of... Exactly. Like, she's your sister. <laughs> yeah. and, like, it gets annoying. And yeah. at the same time, you know, you go to college because you just want to do your own thing and mm -hmm. not be by yourself, but like, you know, be separated from, not be associated with, you know, oh, you're that person's sister or you're that person's mm -hmm. brother. You're just yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it goes for her as well. Like she doesn't want to be labeled as, you know, oh, uh, Tim's sister or something yeah. like that. So, you know, on one side, it can be good because there's comfort, but on the other side, it's like, you know, do you have your own identity? um mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i guess i'm a, a little less homesick but at the same mm -hmm. time there are moments where you do get pissed off because naturally they are your sibling and, you, and you're gonna get into fights do your parents expect you to like take care of her or i know you live with her now right yeah yeah so yeah we're, we, li we live like in a, an apartment two bedroom and yeah i mean there is an expectation obviously that i'm her bigger brother and that i have to yeah. take care of her which is kind of scary and stressful at the same time because mm -hmm. you, you need a balance. You need to have that balance between being her guardian uh, and being like a good mate, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you don't want to be so overprotective that you can't do jack shit, but at the same mm -hmm. time you want to make sure that, you know, she doesn't fall into certain traps or do the wrong thing. But sometimes mm -hmm. like, you know, doing the wrong thing is the right thing because it's fun. But yeah. <laughs> But, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta know that balance. So uh -huh. definitely finding that balance is hard. Yeah. But it's but I would say so far it's been a good experience. Okay, that's good. Can you speak a little bit about the education system contrast uh, between the two countries? I know it's a bit different for you because it's like high school versus college, but mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of like maybe teacher personalities or yeah. um, like a general classroom structure? Yeah, I would say 100% pans down the American education system. The college system, at least, is much better than the Australian college system in terms of the stuff that you learn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe not the pricing and all the student loans and stuff. Australia's mm -hmm. got it definitely on that part. I think you have to pay like um, 10, I mean, you know, compared to like a private institution, like you're going to, you only have to pay like 10k for like the best school in Australia compared to like I don't oh, know. Oh really? Yeah, like 10k a semester for like the best school in Australia, whereas I don't mm. know, like Harvard, definitely way more than that, right? Yeah. Um. So, I guess in pricing, Australia's got it better, but in terms of general content, the professors, it, America is way better, and I can definitely say that on a college level just by looking at what my friends are learning and what I'm learning and how professors approach like the classroom setting. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's a lot more hands, the, the education experience is a lot more hands-on in America. Professors are there to like, what well, you know, if you want it, the professors are there to help you for the most part. If you want mm -hmm. help, 
you ask them, they're going to be motivated to help you. And these people are very, very, very intelligent people. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it goes beyond that. I think when it comes to like extracurricular activities, like, you know, the, the, the cultural associations, whether that be Korean, Chinese, Taiwanese, whatever, and when it comes to professional things like fraternities, all that type of stuff is so much more immersive in the American culture than it is back in Australia. Yeah, sure, there's clubs and cultural things, but it's nowhere near as robust and as exciting as it is in America. And I think that's what America has got down really well. Well, at least, you know, my college. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm really glad, like, just to like, sum it up, like, I'm really glad that I came over to the States because it's an experience that is so, so invaluable. Like, it's just, it's amazing. You're actually one of the first people to give such high praise to the college we went to, honestly. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. perfect, but yeah. um, I, I, I like it. Just to give the audience some context, like what are you studying? And maybe tell us about a professor that particularly like motivated you or helped you out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm studying business admin with uh, concentrations in finance and information systems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the content so far. I mean, my parents come from a business background. They run their own business back in Australia. I think, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and that's what I'm going to be doing out of college. And so the stuff that I'm learning is really relevant to what I want to do in the future. And so I, I, I bloody enjoy it. In terms of professors, Definitely the professor that has left an impact on me the most is one of my finance professors who I actually didn't take the class for, but I was a teaching assistant for. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, so I was a teaching assistant for this professor and he was just insane. Like the, the content that he taught wasn't necessarily like, you know, the most interesting content. It was just like an introduction mm-hmm. to finance class. But, mm-hmm. you know, behind the scenes when you would, I would go to his office hours every single week and just talk with him about, you know, finance, business, and actually anything, honestly, politics and all that sort of stuff. And he does have some very controversial opinions, but I appreciate the fact that he's open about it and he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And that's just something that I've never seen in a professor before, or like, you know, generally most like older people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like just having conversations with him week to week was just the most interesting thing that that I've experienced. You know, he helped me land my internship that I had in previous semesters and I'm ever ever thankful for him for that. Oh, that's so nice of him. And I'm I'm really glad you found a professor that like gave you so much mentorship. I feel like that's exactly. really important and something that most students don't take advantage of when they're in college. Yeah, I think that dude, that is like the most rewarding thing of a finding like a professor that you can connect with and then mm-hmm. you know, you sharing your experiences and you know, making them laugh or making them, you know, be interested in you. And at the same time, mm-hmm. you're getting something back from them. So it's like, a, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I think it's great that you can kind of recognize and appreciate college experience. Because I feel like most people, they just like complain and they don't really realize how much they've grown um, during the process. And they don't take time to like be thankful of what like perks and advantages they were given by going to the college we went to. Well, Tim, that's all the time we have today. Thanks so much again for coming onto this podcast. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Um, no, I think, you know, Ivo, what you're doing is great. Love this podcast. And 
hopefully he gets famous one day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Things Your Asian Mom Never Told You. I'm your host, Irene, and I'll see you guys next time.